there is an identity, an idea of Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusionary. And though I can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe we can have a sense of our lifestyles being comparable, I simply am not there. Oh shit, that fell. So much for my creepy intro. Welcome to the Night Party Party. <laughs> Night Party Podcast. Where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. I'm, of course, your... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, of course, your host, illustrious host, rather, Zach Evergreen. And uh, you can find us at just... Now, it seems, if you just type a Knife Party Pod as one word, we pop up everywhere. And, of course, on the Patreon. For only $1, you could join. And that's patreon.com slash knifepartypod. You get all episodes commercial-free, and you get them really early, plus you get bonus episodes every single month. And that's just for the dollar one. Of course, if you go up in scales, you get more stuff. It's good stuff. It's good times. Everyone wins. Especially if you have an iPhone, because guess what? We're not on Apple Music. They refuse to have me on here. And YouTube as well. They're probably going to pull this episode. They have four episodes up. And one of them's a part two without the part one. It's really embarrassing. Eli, you going to get on that? I feel super fucking up class right now. Because I'm drinking wine and listening to classical music and reviewing a great movie. Um, yeah. And also, if you want to... Uh, Critique, comment, complaint, criticize, whatever. That's at uh, knifepartypod at yahoo.com because I keep it old school. Let's just get into American Psycho. I want you to know that this is my 14th recording. So I really love this movie and I wanted to be professional about it. And I even noticed there were some things in my studio that were affecting sound. And I was like, wow, because <clears throat> the mic I'm using is Sennheiser 945. And I didn't realize this, but you have to put it away from certain power sources. And I'm talking even if there's a plug on the wall, it is so sensitive it'll pick it up, which is pretty crazy. So uh, good mic, really like it, and there you go. Okay, so Brett Ellis wrote this film, or sorry, not film, he wrote the book. It's a 400-page novel with the same title. And before this, he wrote Rules of Attraction, and before this, he wrote Less Than Zero. Uh, all these movies are based off these books, and each one of these books ha has a movie with different directors and everything else. At least, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, he was a weirdo. He wore black every single day. He played keyboard for goth bands, and he was, like, probably none you would know. And uh, he was even a VJ on MTV. Now... Why he wrote this movie is because when he was in his uber goth punk movement, or, or phase in his life rather, he came to New York and just saw yuppies everywhere during the 80s and go, oh, oh man, this is weird. There's even a scene in this movie where you see um, 
this dude that looks like he's from The Cure and this chick that looks like she's Susie from Susie and the Banshees, and they're sitting there having, I think it's like one of the opening scenes. It's when they say Sri Lanka. Um, and that's kind of based off his character. And uh, he just saw the excess drug use, transvestites, uh, polygamy and everything, and just the bedlam that is New York City during the 1980s with the uh, Wall Street era and just said, yo, this, <laughs> these people are fucking crazy. And just decided to write a movie, and thankfully we got one. Uh, well, a novel, and then it became a, a movie. I, We'll talk about the novel in a second. Um, let's see... Okay, so uh, Christian Bale, he always had a copy of American Psycho on him during filming, and he'd revert to it a lot. And one of the reasons why is because 90% of the dialogue in this film is actually from the book, even if it's with other characters. So Christian Bale would read it and go, hmm, okay, all right, all right, this fits, this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit, da, da, da. And he would uh, uh, always do this for prep, as well as he'd walk around, with the actual soundtrack to each scene before they played it, he would want to know like what song is going to be in here. Like for instance, the, the Huey Lewis in the news scene. We all know that one, right? You know, and and uh, uh, the Coke scene and the uh, I wish I think that the day would never come when they're doing uh, Coke in the bathroom. All that stuff. He'd he'd listen to all that shit before they even like you know. He'd actually walk around whole set listening to. Uh, uh, you know, like a mixtape or well, this came out in 20 or sorry, 2000. It wasn't 99. I don't know. It was really early. It, if it wasn't 99, it was probably 2000. Someone told me it came out in 2005. I'm like, are you fucking serious, dude? I think you got your information wrong, but I don't know. I looked it up and it said 2000. So there you go. Um, and I remember it coming around that time because I remember that's when Jericho appeared in WWE and that was awesome. Uh, I digress. So uh, Christian got a lot of death th death threats for this movie after it was released, as did Brett Ellis, um, Easton Ellis, the writer of this. Uh, he got a lot of death threats as well. Um, he got death threats, uh, Brett Easton Ellis, that is, because there is infanticide in his book. Uh, in He kills a child and leaves it behind a dumpster, and then another child he kills um he makes into sausage in the book and then he says or patrick baton says i'm crying because no one taught me how to cook or i never learned to cook rather and uh yeah and he makes a kid into sausage um there's a lot of gore in this book that did not make it to the movie and a lot of think this movie is like gratuitous violence it's like dude read the book because the book is 300 pages of details of clothing and then the other 100 is just like gruesome murders. And they're awesome, but the book is fucking boring. I'm just going to let you know, like, only 25% of it is good. If they would have cut out 50% of the details. Here, let, let me tell you this. When we hear about, okay, you know in the movie when you see Patrick Bateman and he's going, I start my morning with a dun 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 then I do crunches. I could do a thousand of them. In the book, that's seven pages long. And that's just describing his apartment. I don't even think that describes like everything. I just remember going, oh my fucking God, when are we going to get to, not the killing necessarily. I mean, that's all we're here for, but like, I don't want to hear, like, this is not a Dungeons and Dragons adventure where I want to hear about your goddamn apartment. Anyway, um, 
So Christian Bale got a lot of death threats after this movie came out. A lot. Because of the homeless dog scene and the cat scene. Uh, apparently, um, people that... Ooh, I don't even want to make this political. I'm not going to touch that. A lot of people uh, just think movies are real. And they probably have low intelligences. And they probably do a lot more voting than other people do. Um, let's see. Darcia. Darcia, or Dorcia, rather, <coughs> was not a real restaurant. But after this actually became a real restaurant. In fact, this movie released a product line of skin products called the Bateman Products. And it was online. I don't know if it's still there. But their website was a chainsaw, like a, a stainless steel chainsaw, and it had all these like skin creams and washes and shit on it. And I'm not even lying. I just I just found out about this, and um, if I didn't have like such sensitive skin, I might buy. I might even buy it for a gag gift. But God knows how expensive that shit is, or if they even still make it. I just know that they did make a skin product. So Dorcia and that, which is pretty cool. Um, Obviously, this touched the pulse of my generation big time. If you're a Gen Xer or a millennial, chances are you've seen this movie, and this movie is so polarizing. Either people love it or they hate it, but it's funny. The older I get, more people love it, love it, love it, love it. When this movie first came out, all my friends hated it, and they're all gore uh, gorehounds. They're like all my friends, their favorite movies were Evil Dead 2, Tex Chainsaw Massacre, those kind of films, right? And I was more into, like, you know, Alien, Predator, Robocop, Terminator, that kind of stuff, The Fly. But all my friends love, like, like really, really, really slashery films, and I think maybe that's why this movie didn't really resonate with them is because it looks like it's a slasher film, and then you go and sit down, and you're like, wait a minute. This is a social commentary about the 1980s consumerism. It's also a character study about a psychopath or a sociopath. And I say that because of in the 80s, and especially in this movie, if you watch this movie, every male is the same. Even in the book, they will start with the character's name and then Patrick will describe in detail, and I mean in length from head to toe, from the barber to the watch he's uh, wearing to exactly what suits he's wearing, by who it's made by, this and that and then they'll say the name once maybe twice so you get very confused in the book in fact patrick may even be two people or maybe patrick doesn't exist at all because he keeps getting called davis by his lawyer and other people that may be because he's getting confused by other people or what but they all look the fucking same in this movie and in the book they all dress the same because i mean obviously i don't have movie vision or a book vision um, except for the women. The women actually are their own characters. So even though a lot of feminists hated this movie, in fact, one of them talked Leonardo DiCaprio out of playing this, uh, Patrick. She goes, it'll ruin your career, blah, 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 this and that. This is, this is not good for you. This movie's terrible. The book's terrible. Anyone involved with this was evil and should be burned at the stake. Funny that after that, Mr. Patrick Bateman was now Bruce Wayne Batman. Just take out that E. So obviously it did something good for someone's career. Um, she was an idiot, by the way, because this is a super, I'm not going to say woke film, but girl power film, because woke is, I'm not going to get started. And it's, 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 
very girl power because like I said, the only identifying females in this movie are are the girls in this movie. Like for instance, Rebecca and Jean and Christy. Those characters I actually remember. I only know Paul Allen because his name is said that many times. I can't even name, like, I've seen this movie so many times, I cannot name every character in this movie. It's Except for Patrick and Paul, you know, and, and his lawyer and, um, ah, shit, uh, William Defoe's character, it escapes me right now. But um, everyone else is just vapid, glasses-wearing, yuppie, slick-back hair. Even their goddamn cards look the same oh shit that reminds me i think if i press this button okay new card what do you think oh very nice look at that picked them up from the printers yesterday good coloring that's bone and the lettering is something called cillian braille it's very cool bateman but that's nothing look at this Eggshell with Romali and tight. What do you think? Nice. Jesus. <laughs> that is really super. How'd a nitwit like you get so tasteful? I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. But wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. Raised lettering. Pale nimbus. White. Impressive. Very nice. Mm. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. Oh my God, it even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. So another thing, too, I don't know if you uh, put this together, but not only there's the weird Batman thing where if you take out the E, it's, uh, you know, Norman, sorry, um, Bateman is Batman if you take out the E, but Norman Bates is Patrick Bateman. Ha, 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 clever pun. That was also done by the writer, um, Brett uh, Easton Ellis, and uh, he said that he was looking for a good name that would like kind of be familiar but new at the same time. So he thought Norman Bates, it'd be funny to make it Patrick Bateman. And oh, by the way, this movie is banned still in uh, Australia. I think they have it like at a porno where you have to keep it in a black, um, a black like sealed bag and you can't even see it you have to request it and they'll give it to you but this was banned in many many countries just for the uh, infanticide cannibalism etc cetera, etc cetera. um i already mentioned about how leo was gonna play um uh patrick and then the feminist chick said don't do it there was a couple other people set to play it but leo is the most hilarious but the funny thing is because the script was written by a woman and it was directed by a woman, and the the woman that actually uh, wrote the script is Rebecca, and she makes a funny comment that she goes, I'm not a lesbian during the second three-way scene, and in real life she is, which is pretty funny. I don't know, it's just like a little uh, cookie-cutter 
thing I, I would uh, tell you about this. In fact, David Cronenberg was actually going to direct this, uh, but he wanted a, and I'm not lying, a goddamn musical number on the top of the Twin Towers as the end of the film. And he said it was too gory. Coming from Cronenberg is ridiculous. You got to remember the fly. That's Cronenberg. Okay, I could still not eat and watch that movie. That's like the one movie I cannot eat and watch. It's just too weird. It's too depressed. I, I, I think that's probably, I wouldn't say the goriest, but the grossest movie even... And I got in an argument about ugly shoes about that. This is is that probably is the grossest movie I've ever seen. He thinks it's the thing, but it's not. Um, uh, if I didn't mention this before, I'm going to say it again. Uh, sorry about that. I'm kind of like I said. I, this is my 15th take on this movie, dude. So I, I'm repeating myself in my mind a lot. But yeah, 90% of the dialogue was from the book. Oh, I did mention that. Okay, yeah, and he carried a book on him. Sorry about that. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, oh yeah, there's a funny scene in the beginning when he's, uh, watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but later on there is a chainsaw scene and it is, you know, it's not like a direct ripoff or anything, but the funny thing about it later is, is Patrick mentions Ed Gein to his yuppie buddies and Ed Gein was the inspiration for Leatherface. So, I don't know. That's kind of a full circle funny thing, right? Anyway. Um, so, let's see. What else do I got here? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a Rolex. Uh, remind me to talk about Rolex, okay, please? Oh, yeah. There was also American Psycho Part 2. It starred Mia Kumis. Okay, she didn't even realize it was going to be called American Psycho 2. She thought it was going to be called American Girl. Not to be confused with American Mary, which is a fantastic fucking Canadian film. American Girl sucks. It is terrible. They even kill off Patrick Bateman in the first scene. And when Mila Kumis was asked, she goes, I had zero idea. They, they told me it was going to be this movie, and they changed it at the last minute. So I apologize, but you know what? The paycheck was worth it. It's got a Rotten Tomato score of 68%. On the Evergreen Tomato score, I'm going to get a 96, maybe a 97. A solid 96, but encroaching on 97. It uh, made $15.03 million in the box office, uh, but it only got a uh, $7 million budget. And the reason why is because they did not, and I repeat, they did not want Christian Bale. They did not want Mary Heron. H-A-R-O-N. She was the director. And they did not want Winnie, Winnie Turner. She was also uh, um, Elizabeth, the girl I mentioned earlier. She, she also played Rebecca. Um, they didn't want that. They wanted, you know, some kind of star power. But uh, Christian Bale and uh, Mary Heron, they worked on this movie even when they um, weren't... Uh, uh, they did it on pro bono and basically said, hey, we're going to do this movie better. And when shit fell apart, shit fell apart. In fact, Oliver Stone even came in for a second. And so this movie was like hot potatoed a lot. And then finally they just, the studio said, fine, whatever. Be uh, uh, Christopher and Mary will handle this and hopefully they give us a good treatment. Um, fun fact, they even watched porn together. Wait, hold on. 
hear me out. So Christian Bale and Mary Heron watch porn during the three-way scenes um, to construct them, but to not be crude, they actually drew the scenes, the storyboard and stick figures, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious, stick figure porn. Oh man, I haven't done that shit since third grade. Um, uh, William Defoe is fantastic in this movie. And Mary made him do three scenes. One, knowing Patrick is guilty of sin. Two, thinking Patrick may be guilty or not. And three, being Patrick is totally innocent, but might have clues to the story. Uh, that does not happen in the book. In the book, it's a young guy, and, and Patrick brushes him off very easily. Where in this, Patrick is a sweating like a whore in church every time he's in the room. Which I thought was really cool. That was a change not in the book, but a good change for me. Plus, William Dafoe is fucking fantastic. I mean, really, honestly, if you don't like William Dafoe, you just don't like movies. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Bale never broke his accent. No one even realized he wasn't from America until after rap. The rap party, like, wait a minute. What are you, what are you doing there? And they're like, no, this is how I talk. I'm like, oh, shit. It's interesting. Um, this got an NC-17 rating. And so it was like, that's a death sentence. So they just cut out 18 seconds of the three-way scene and it got in. Um, Brad Pitt was also going to be in the film um, as Bateman and then he got tossed, luckily. Nothing wrong with that. Bale was so obsessed with this role, he got all of his teeth redone, all of them. And they said it would give him a permanent lisp, and he said, I don't give a shit. I, I, I really want to be this character. He is a crazy person about getting in shape and getting uh, teeth done, and like all, all that stuff. Like, when think of the machinist and think of Batman. There's a 100-pound difference there. In fact, Bale actually hired a personal trainer before filming this movie for months, and he would train for three hours a day. And uh, or he would also work out for three hours before filming which is very predator of him and I respect that um, I think that's also pretty awesome uh, now even though they only had a 7 million dollar budget well guess what they only filmed for 7 weeks in Toronto and that's pretty awesome um, that they got it done that quick because with that low of a budget and, and that low filming time they made a fucking masterpiece right um, let's see what else. The last, oh, Weiss Witherspoon and Mary were both pregnant during the filming in this, which is pretty funny. So maybe that's a benefit that they got it done so quickly, right? And I think that's all I have for the making. So yeah, let's just get more into the movie instead of the making. We, we got that out of the way, right? Good times. All right. See ya. By notebook. Elijah, take my notebook. So we start out, and uh, I'm not even... I could go book versus movie because I did I did read book and listen to audiobook and then watch this movie a million times. I'm not going to do that because I only... I don't want to take up all your time. I want this to be around a little bit over an hour, and we're already at 24 minutes. So I'm just going to go straight into the movie, and I'm going to be kind of all over the place, but... That's because this movie is so fucking great and it's got so much going on for it. So um, we start out and we see, you know, this dinner that one of many dinners that, you know, Pierce and Pierce uh, are at. Pierce and Pierce is the uh, Wall Street office that 
Patrick Bateman works at. And, you know, he's conniving with his friends and everything else. And all they do is throw out racist and sexist comments. And it's hilarious, by the way. It's just so, um, I don't want to say quaint because that would sound fucked up. I want to say it's very telling of the times. That's what it is. And um, then we see uh, Patrick and his and his uh, fiancée. And uh, they're, they're in a car. And she's like, why don't we just do it? Why don't we just don't get... Why don't we get married right now and you know, or you know soon? And he goes, I can't take the time off work. And she's like, But your you dad practically owns the company. He goes, I want to fit in. Here's the funny thing about his dad practically owns the company. I've never seen Patrick do one line of work except for maybe a phone call. No, that phone call's fake. That's when the detective walks in. Kimball. That's his name. Kimball. I'm Detective John Kimball, you idiot. Um. Yeah, he, he, Patrick doesn't work at all. In fact, him and all of his buddies are vice president during that card scene. Um, I'm not going to play it again, but you heard it. Uh, all of their things say Pierce and Pierce, da, 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 their phone number, and then it says vice president. It doesn't say vice president of management or marketing or da, da, it just says VP, which is hilarious. Um. So we see Patrick's nightlife and, and day life uh, a lot. It's, it's, you basically just see him. I said basically. So Patrick's going out at night with his friends, hanging out with his uh, fiance during social interactions. Of course, they don't work together. But then we get the greatest scene in this movie and I don't have it here but you could find it anywhere it's the most famous scene it's his daily routine which I did mention in the book is seven plus pages long and it just is like first I do crunches I can do a thousand of them then I put on a bomb on my face and then I take a shower I use a secondary mask and and it goes on and on and on and on and on forever. And then as he peels off the mask, you see, you hear that monologue that I gave you. And it's kind of cool because he's peeling off his mask and revealing himself to us, right? Or is he? And then, and I hate this song. He comes walking to his office, glowing like a, a fucking kid on Christmas Day. Because uh, of all his treatments and shit. And um, he's listening to Walking on Sunshine. And he's marching with a sense of purpose. Like all, you know, uh, the way you would do so if you were um, walking in Oakland. You know, you got to have a, a sense of uh, purpose, a command presence, as they say, uh, uh, police would say. Um, I used to have to do this when I sing out my friend Jenna. Shout out. I told her I'd give her one, so there you go. Anyway, um, and then he goes, uh, you know, to his assistant, Gene, who, by the way, is a super main character in this movie. Gene is the golden suitcase in this movie. Uh, think Pulp Fiction. Believe it or not, in my opinion, I would say that all the important scenes about Patrick are with Gene, and Gene is like his neutrality to try to bring him back to normal back to sanity 
And um, even when we see Patrick getting his nails done, uh, manicure, pedicure, he's looking with disgust at the the Asian chick doing it. Like, he's got a look of disdain, like, I don't even want you touching my fingernails. And he's going like, you know, my mass sanity is, is leaving and, and I'm becoming more and more predatory and violent. Which is really funny um, because, like I said, is is he a sociopath or is he a psychopath? Because sociopaths are, created, uh, um, are capable of murder. But Patrick Bateman will sit there and he's super racist and sexist, right? But then when someone says something about one of their uh, co-workers who's Jewish, he goes, why don't you cut it out with the anti-Semitic remarks? He's sitting there spinning a fucking vodka, and he goes, it's called a dreidel, all right? And then when he goes, first thing about Sri Lanka is we need to end world hunger. We need to provide food and shelter for the homeless. And second, and then we really need to end this arms race with Russia. So he's really woke. I hate that word. He's really aware of what he should say, but you know he doesn't believe a fucking thing he says. And that's why I think he's more of a sociopath rather than a psychopath. But he does do a lot of psychopathic shit. At least, or does he? So we get our first murder. Because that's what you're really here for, right? Um, he pulls up to this girl. She's a streetwalker. He's in a, a limo. Her name's Christy, and he just kind of does that tap thing on the window with a hundred bucks. And he goes, "Your name's gonna be Christy. You're only gonna refer to Christy. I'm gonna call up another girl." And da da da. And and then so they go. Oh, first she goes, "I can't like." go to your apartment because she's looking at the pimp. We never see him, but you know, like, you know, you just kind of get that vibe. And uh, then they go and uh, uh, he calls a call girl and he goes, blonde. No, I can't stress this enough. Blonde. Blonde. So anyway, they go up and uh, uh, he goes, Christine, I want you to get in the bathtub and wash your vagina and then towel off and grab any robe except for that one. And and there's a great line. He goes, uh, "Oh man, is it here? Or is it later?" Oh man, there's a there's a line. He says, "He goes, I'm not trying to get you drunk, but that's a fabulous Chardonnay. You are not drinking. By the way, in the book, that Chardonnay is acacia. You could find that at any grocery store for 15 bucks. Just saying. Patrick doesn't have such good taste in wine. That's why he drinks whites." I don't want to be racist, but white wines are inferior. Darker the better, sweetheart. Um, then we see the other call girl come over, and do you, uh, uh, he, he starts playing. What does he play? Phil Collins. He starts playing Phil Collins' No Jacket Required. And uh, uh, they're just kind of sitting there watching. In the book, they're staring at each other like, this guy is a fucking crazy person. But in the movie, they're not yet. They're just kind of like, whatever, like, when are we going to get to it? And he goes like, do you want to know what I do for a living? And they go, we really don't mind Paul. Oh, because he calls him, to, he tells them to call him Paul Allen. I work for Pierce and Pierce on Wall Street. It's a pretty big deal. 
and they're like, all right, well, you know, whatever. We're, dude, we're, you know why we're here. <laughs> it's almost like he's trying to create something, create something to be loved or respected. I, here's the reason why I think he's more of a sociopath than a psychopath. Everything he does, I want to fit in. And do you know what I do for a living? I think he's got such a narcissistic ego. The only reason he does shit like this is when he gets embarrassed or frustrated. Now, I know for a fact that's why he kills Paul Allen. I think he kills a lot of other people, or maybe, or does he? It's all in his mind. This, this movie's a mindfuck, dude. If you're listening this far, you've probably seen the movie, and you're like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm with you. I, I'm not sure either. I'm getting excited. So then, like a fucking smooth criminal, he moves him in the ba- uh, in the bedroom just by doing the two fingers while he undresses, talking about um, Susudio. Um, <laughs> I fucking always hated that song till I saw this movie, and then it became one of my, like I, I not one of my favorite songs, but whenever I hear it, I cannot get over it. By the way. Remember I said this movie had a budget of $7 million? Guess what? Half of it, in fact, over half of it, went to the royalties of this movie. And here goes the funny thing. Some people never saw anything about it. For instance, 100 million copies of this soundtrack were destroyed. Why? That's a good question, I'll tell you. Huey Lewis in the News said that they did never agreed to having their music on the soundtrack. But later we find out that, no, Huey Lewis and his news agreed to it. But the record company didn't. So they had to destroy that, which really sucks. So they had to burn millions of copies of, of shit because, like, of a communication error. Because Huey Lewis and the news said he loved it. More on that later. Um... So anyway, he makes his own, he, he busts out a camera and he starts screwing these two girls and um, this scene brings back memories. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, and then they're all, you know, they have a great time to Susudio and their stockings, which by the way, yes, love them. Um and then uh, uh, we cut to the nighttime, and and one of the the ladies of the evening, if you will, will gra- grabs his wrist, and he goes, "Don't touch the watch." This is why this is funny. I mentioned Rolex earlier. In the book, he goes, "Don't touch touch the Rolex." Rolex was so disgusted by the book, they were pissed. I mean, not by the book. I mean by the author, the, the by the book. Um, they were like, do not even fucking mention our name, ever. Don't. We, we're not at all, like, we're, we're, we're not down with that. And so they changed it to watch. But then as a fuck you to Rolex, which I love, is he was not, he being uh, Patrick Bateman's character, or Patrick Bateman the character, was not allowed to wear a Rolex, but everyone else was. So they made every other character in this movie wear a Rolex, which I think is hilarious. It's like, all right, you don't want him wearing a watch or mentioning it? Cool. Guess what? Everyone else is. And then some, uh, all these like Gucci and all these other brands were fighting because people go, oh, I don't want to be mentioned. And the other brands were like, okay, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. 
Now, I'm not into that shit, and if you ever say the words the real real to me, I will punch you in the fucking face, and I'll stomp you into oblivion. I will pick you up. I will choke slam you. I'll pick you back up again. I'll throw you through the moon, and you go through the stars and throughout the Milky Way galaxy, and you'll burn up. Fucking hate anyone who says the word real real. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Let's just go back to drip drip. That's better. And I hate anyone that wears that shit. Here's why. A Rolex isn't that actually a good fucking watch. Gucci isn't a good fucking product. You want to know some good products that'll last you the rest of your life? I don't know. How about this? Doc Martens. They last forever, and they're the only fucking comfortable boot I can ever wear. Carhartts will right. I have three jackets that are Carhartts. They were asking me a little bit. Now, if you were to give me a Gucci jacket, it'd probably be destroyed, and I'd look like an idiot. Anyway, back to the show. So then they're about to leave, and he goes, we're not done yet. And then he opens up a drawer, and there's a lot of crude instruments of pain. We're talking like, you know, um, wire hangers, exacto knives, lighters, um, fishing implements. And then you see the girls leave very upset, as they should be. And they got, like, cuts and on their shoulders and they're just all crying and then he just hands out money and they just grab it and I'm not saying that it's like I'm not saying that what he did was right at all but what I am saying is this is why I think he's a sociopath not a psycho why didn't he just murder them right he doesn't he gives them all like he gives them $300 and then later on writes Christie a blank check so that this is 1980s money. So this is why I don't. I think that this part of the movie takes place, and the rest of the movie is in his mind. And the funny thing about it, the author said it's all in his mind, but the director of this movie said it's all real. So then finally, we get that card scene with Paul Allen, and now. Bateman is like, or or maybe it already happened, I don't know. But Bateman is super pissed off at Paul. He's jealous, and he confused him with another one of his, like, chodes. I think it's Davis. And uh, is like, you know what? Uh, oh, yeah, and, and he's uh, mad about the door. The, the main thing that tips him off is the Dorsia reservation. He's like, fuck this guy, dude. I'm killing this motherfucker. Oh, by the way, uh, I failed to mention that each of these guys is fucking one of their old spouses, but it's all under the table. It's not like they're, like, polygamous and they're honest. It's like, no, that guy's fucking that guy's wife, and I'm fucking his wife while she's fucking, and it's just a circle of just, Hellfire Club shit, right? And then finally, uh, uh, Paul Allen and uh, uh, Patrick Bateman go out to dinner. Of course, Paul, Paul Allen is so fucked up during the dinner scene, he doesn't even know who... Uh, uh, they're having, like, sea urchins of Chile, and uh, he doesn't even recognize who he is. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Paul Allen and Patrick go back to Paul Allen's apartment. But is it Paul Allen's apartment? Because they say it's Paul Allen's apartment. Anyway, um, I think if I press this button. Do you like American Psycho? It's okay. 
Although originally polarizing to audiences and critics alike, it developed a much-deserved cult following when released on digital video disc or DVD. There it found a second life and really came into its own commercially and artistically. The movie works both as a grim examination of male vanity while also maintaining real genre thrills, justifying these tonal shifts by placing the audience inside the head of the duplicious lead character. Christian Bale's dynamite performance gives it a big boost. The role almost went to Leo, but nobody could have brought that certain pathos and charisma to it quite like Bale. A role he later recalled a shade of in Christopher Nolan's Batman pictures. Hey. Yes, Al? Why are there newspapers all over the place? Is that like a Huey Lewis on the news joke or something? <laughs> no, Al. <laughs> is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 2005, Lionsgate released this, The Uncut Vision. I think it's an undisputed masterpiece. A movie so entertaining, most people probably don't listen to the message. Most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just a great character study, but a sardonic metaphor for 1980s greed and materialism. Hey, Al! Try parodying one of my songs now, you stupid bastard. I want a new duck, one that won't try to bite, one that won't chew a hole in my socks, one that won't quack all night. Wow, you, you really dropped the ball on that one, Eli. Isn't that the... Ugh. All I do is... Uh, okay, I tried to get him to pull up the, um, the, the scene with... Dude... You you fucked with me, didn't you? Yeah, he did. All right, so he. Ugh. I was trying to play the Paul Allen scene, but if you know anything about this movie, you you know it's the famous scene where he dances around a raincoat, talks about Huey Lewis in the news, kills Paul Allen. He goes, "Do you have like a chow or something? What's with?" The style section all over the ground. And he goes, no. And it's really hilarious. It's, it's, to summarize this movie in a scene would be that scene. In fact, when I first saw this movie, when I saw that scene, I'm like, I think I like this movie a lot more than I thought I was because I thought I was going to hate it when I first saw it. Um, so now Paul Lund's dead. This is where I think this movie ends being American sociopath and starts becoming American psycho because I think he actually does kill Paul Allen. And then after this, everything's in his head because this is where the movie goes fucking bonkers. I mean, in the beginning, the only real shred of evidence that he killed anybody is when he goes to the laundromat and he's got a cigar in his mouth, by the way, which is suck fucking totally contradictory. I don't think any laundromat in the world, even Asian laundromats, by the way, I'm just saying this because they smoke constantly. I know this. Go to any laundromat and drive in the back and they're all smoking cigarettes. All of them are. Or any restaurant. They just love their cigarettes. That's fine. I smoke a lot too. Especially at goth clubs. With goth girls that had daddy issues. Why do you think I went there? Um... Uh, and he's trying to get blood out of the sheets, and he says cranberry juice, uh, cranberry cocktail, actually, is what he says. Uh, but now, 
this movie goes off the fucking rails. And I don't even know where to start, man. We have... Okay. We have him going to an ATM, inserting a kitten, and says, please insert cat. And he tries to shove it in with a gun, which isn't feasible. It just, it doesn't work that way. First off, I would never shove a cat in an ATM machine, but I, I, I don't, it's not physically possible. Um, I'm not even going to get into the details of how it might be physically possible, but it, but it's not. Um, he meets with this, uh, uh, of, uh, I don't think I mentioned this too. I think this did actually happen though, is when he kills the homeless guy and his dog. He's walking and he sees this uh, homeless guy and he goes, Mr. Please, please, Mr. Please. And he goes, oh, hey, why don't you get a job? You know, why don't you get out of this shit? You know? And then he pulls out his wallet and he goes, thanks, Mr. Thanks. And he goes, you know, on second thought, I I got nothing in common with you. And he proceeds to stab the homeless guy, stomp on the dog, and shoot the man. Um, uh, then we have the two hookers again, uh, different ones this time. Um, in fact, it's only one hooker. We have uh, Christy, and she's not too happy. He goes, it's not going to be like the same like last time. I'm bringing over a friend, right? And then uh, uh, she takes the check and just walks. And he goes, Christy, Christy. And now he's got even more hundreds in, in this money clip. And she's like, fuck. Um, and they go back and Rebecca's there, who is the writer of the movie. I mentioned that earlier. We don't know the relationship with Rebecca with... Um, with Patrick Bateman. She's hot as fuck, though, by the way, in real life. There's something about red hair, dude. I don't know what it is. And uh, she's like, no, I'm not a lesbian. He goes, I think it would be really awesome if you two got it on. And then she's like, I'm not a lesbian. And then, like, cut to him talking about the greatest love of all <laughs> by Whitney Houston. Uh, and by the way, Whitney Houston would not let um, that song be used so they use an orchestral version just to go fuck you if your vocals aren't on here we could use it and they did and fuck yeah and that's how I feel about YouTube right now and Apple you can go fuck yourselves all the way home um, and uh, she even calls her drug dealers and it's great because she goes I'm in need of your services take that whatever way you think you need to but and, and Patrick goes but it's 3 in the morning and she goes isn't this his peak business hours which is hilarious as well. But instead of, by the way, this is a scene in the book that's pretty evil. Christy is tied and gagged while you see him torture, or not see, um, read him torture Rebecca. Like, I think it's, if, if memory serves correct, he nails or at least hammers all of her fingers. And Christy's just sitting there watching he crucifies her against the wall and does all this evil shit. There is so much evil shit in the book, dude. Um, still boring. Movie's way better. Anyone who says that the book is better is just trying to be smarter than you, by the way. Because the book only uses one of your senses. Where the movie uses two. So, actually three. Yeah. Affinity. Visual. Hearing. Yeah, there you go. 
uh, where the book is only your your eyes, so it's it's not the same. Um, and then uh, uh, so they're having their three way, and he gets either she's on her moon time, if you know what I mean, or he's biting the sh- sorry about that, it's a little loud, or he's biting the shit out of her thighs because all of a sudden now Beck is bleeding everywhere, and then. Christy is trying to sneak out and he and Patrick's like, you know, and then she's like, shit. And that's where Patrick is running around with his <laughs> with his fucking running shoes and nothing else on in a giant chainsaw. And he holds it like an erect penis, which is funny, above his penis, which is even funnier. And then this is another reason why I think this movie is all in his head, where he becomes American Psycho instead of American Sociopath, is because when she's running down trying to escape, he aims and drops a chainsaw and then is super surprised as it nails her dead center in the center spine he goes "Ah!" and that's that's exactly where i knew to myself that this movie's got to be fake right or actually the first time i saw it i go this movie's dumb but then when someone told me about it wait a minute it's all in his mind i'm like "Ooh, let me rewatch it and then we watch it and then now after at least 50 the times rewatching it since I first saw it in 2003. I, I uh, at least 50, probably more than that. I, I usually watch this movie about four times a year. Um, so yeah, he kills both of them, and now you see their bodies are like some of them are in Paul Allen's place. Actually, no, during the three way scene, they're in Paul Allen's apartment, and there's already bodies in there. Uh, in the closet when um, Christy's trying to escape. But now, you know, he's a little depressed, Patrick, that is, and he asked Gene, you know, and he's like all remorseful. He's wearing sunglasses and he's just like doing his crossword, which is just, the answers are easy. It's just meat and bone, meat and bone, meat and bone, meat and bone. And he goes, where do you want to go? And she goes, I don't know. Dorcia? So Gene wants to go to Dorcia. I don't know, Patrick. I don't know. It's, 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 no. Gene wants to go to Dorcia. So he calls Dorcia and, and, uh, uh, as we know in this movie, Dorcia is like, they just laugh at you if you call for reservations, right? So they're like, no, we can't take anybody. He goes, great, Dorcia, eight o'clock tonight. Thanks so much. And they go, wait, no, no. And then she goes, but Patrick, you didn't even leave your name. And he goes, they know me. But let's meet up first. And he goes, you know, what you're wearing is okay, is what's hilarious is what he says. And then like 10 seconds later, he goes, you should probably get changed and meet me at my apartment. And then he gives her a sorbet, and they're talking, and then this is, like, where I fall in love with this character. It's not because her name, by the way. Jesus Christ. Stop bringing that up, guys. Um, And she's, like, you know, they're just having a good conversation. And then Patrick's thinking about killing her. He's looking at knives. He even puts a nail gun to the back of her head without her knowing. And uh, he spares her by saying if you stay something's bad's gonna happen now she thinks this is sexual she goes yeah i have a problem with getting involved with unavailable men and then 
just at the time Patrick's fiance calls with the most cutesy wootsy little thing and she's like shit and she goes into work mode she goes all right well you have a meeting with da 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 and this and that and and, and then he just sits there and he's like oh whatever and um now Patrick is getting going to get investigated because Paul Allen's disappearance and I think if I press this button Do you remember where you were the night of Paul's disappearance, which was on the 20th of December? God, I guess I was probably returning videotapes. I had a date with a girl named Veronica. That's not what I've got. What? That's not the information I've received. Well, I wait. What information have you received? Let me see. You were with... Well, I could be wrong. When was the last time you were with Paul Allen? We'd gone to a new musical called... Oh, Africa, Brave Africa. It was a laugh riot. That was about it. I think we had dinner at Orso's. No, Petal... No, Orso's. I hope I've been informative. Long day. Bit scattered. I'm a little spent now, too. But how about lunch in a week or so? when I've sorted out all this information. Great, yes, I'd like that. And if you could try and pin down where you were the night of Paul Allen's disappearance, it would make my job a lot easier. Absolutely, I'm with you on that one. Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> Great stuff. I just bought it on my way here, you heard it? Never. I mean, I don't really like singers. Not a big music fan, huh? No, I like music. Just there. Huey's too black sounding for me. Teach his own. So, uh, lunch next week? I'll be there. By the way, the the scene where he's at lunch with them the next week, he's sweating fucking bullets and his guilty as sin. Remember I told you that William Defoe did three takes? Oof, god damn William Defoe is so good. I always call him William, I'm sorry. It's Willem, I know. It's just one of those things I always fuck up. Um so a lot happens after this. I this is only halfway through the movie. But I'm just going to let you know uh that this movie cannot be done in an hour. Or maybe even it's an hour and forty seven minutes, something like that. It cannot be summed up in a podcast. You just got to see this movie for itself. After we haven't even talked about his mistress, who is is a uh, gauged to a gay gentleman who's after Patrick, who Patrick almost kills him, but then doesn't because I think that. It's all in his mind. I haven't mentioned the when the police are chasing him and he shoots his uh, a pistol and the cars explode and he looks at the gun like, well, that can happen. I haven't even mentioned that when he goes to the wrong, he goes to Paul Allen's apartment and just murders everybody at the front desk and then realizes he's in the wrong spot and then goes to his real spot. I haven't even mentioned when he goes back to Paul Allen's place and there is a realtor there trying to sell it, and she goes, leave, don't cause any trouble. When he goes to clean up the crime scene, 
I haven't mentioned any of this. Now I just have. This movie has all that shit. I haven't mentioned that he does any work. Oh, he doesn't. I haven't mentioned any of this shit because this is what this movie is. From the point that I kind of said it is no longer a sociopath, it's now a psychopath, is my cutoff scene to, you got to see this fucking movie. You just do. And uh, we're just about done, but I'm going to, I am, I am going to say this. Um, the greatest thing about this, where the movie and the book actually meet up, is not only the 90% dialogue, but at the end of the movie, nothing is solved and nothing is gained because Patrick actually talks during his killing spree at the uh, apartments. He talks to his lawyer and confesses everything. He goes, you know, I killed uh, I killed a lot of hookers, a lot of homeless people. I killed Paul Allen. He's dissolving in a bathtub in Hell's Kitchen as we speak. Um, I killed a, 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 a hooker. I, I, I ate some of her brains. Um, I did this. And he goes, I killed a lot of fucking people. I just had to kill a lot of people. Um, so you're my lawyer, and I think you should know, and I think that I'm not going to fucking get away with this time. He sees him the next day, and he goes, "That's Davis, that's hilarious. And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, first off, Patrick Bateman is such a pussy. Do you really think he can go on with that? Oh, when I didn't even take a, talk about his breakup with his fucking girlfriend. Dude, this movie's got a lot. Just fucking watch the movie. But at the end of the book, it the last thing is, and same with the movie, as you see, there is a sign behind his head, and it says, this is not an exit. Meaning there is no answers to this movie. I got to go return some videotapes. Be kind and rewind.